Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashwine from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Cal Davis, Lewiston, Maine. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Aloha. This is Rick Rodriguez from the Big Island of Hawaii. Aloha. Cheryl here, coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, where we have lots of beautiful waterfalls, rainbows, and a live volcano. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, aloha. Sol here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Welcome back to the Tilt-A-Whirl, known as Ethics and Integrity. We hope you're enjoying your ride. I hope you haven't tossed too many cookies. Miss <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marcia, I want you to flash back the first time you encountered Chapter 9. What pops up for you? What is the difference? I honestly could not separate morality from ethics. I almost thought they were the same for so many years. What the heck is that all about? And then I actually started reading a little bit more about what ethics truly is. And then, of course, when I heard Chelsea talking about what she has to do in her job, that really clarified a lot for me because here she is with a type of job that she has to manage in a fair way with all her clients and put aside her feelings. And she might have had clients that really she didn't like, but she, ethically speaking, she decided she's going to do the best job that she can with them from that ethical standpoint, even though those clients might have repulsed 
her. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a huge lesson right there. And so as you started witnessing clarity around ethics, integrity, and morals, what started happening for you? I really started to take a look at what some of my ethics were and some of my moral beliefs. It really started having me take a second look at what my beliefs were what my thoughts were around everything. Because I realized that it's really based on a person's experience in life. A lot of how I believe and a lot of how somebody else is going to believe is based on experience or society and the norms in society at that time. So it opened me up to really taking a second look at what is morality. Did any of that reflection come back to bite you in the butt? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it did. It did. I started seeing myself in the mirror with the times of the chaos that I caused in my own life. And then it was like, well, was that actually myself? In a hypocritical moment, was I being hypocritical then? Was I being ethical? Yeah. And so as you allowed yourself to, for lack of better words, rattle some of your core cage bars, I mean, you sounds like you really allowed a, a root canal. I mean, <laughs> you did a spiritual root that. canal. You could say that. <laughs> yes. Yes. What were the ripples from that? I actually decided I'm going to take a second look at how I'm doing things. Does my word equal my deed? My word equals my deed. Am I really performing that action of what I say I'm going to do? And am I doing it with compassion? Am I doing it with love in my heart? How am I doing what I say I'm going to do. I remember when I went through this the first time, and unfortunately I made the mistake of letting my analyzer just become a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> I, it just cut loose. I, if ever I needed to remove the sharp objects in the room, that was probably one of the moments in my life because when I started really looking at how much time and effort I spent crafting and manipulating my word so that I could craft and manipulate my deed to get a specific outcome, I began to realize that I was never genuinely me. I was too busy trying to make sure other people's feelings weren't hurt or too busy making sure that they still thought I was a good boy or making, <laughs> putting all these illusions out there that I didn't want to cause conflict, so I stuffed my own emotions. And is any of this ringing bells for anybody else? Absolutely. I so. took a look at that part. I realized that, yes, I had had moments where I was manipulating in the relationships. Absolutely. Scary stuff, huh? It is scary stuff. <laughs> Give me a break. 
Chapter 9 is about as daunting as Chapter 4. I am consciously aware of the fact that we're rapidly approaching the end of our time. At the same time, this chapter can be done at your leisure for the next 20 years. Oh, yeah. So if you're sensing some sort of push to get Chapter 9 done because of the way that we've set up the calendar, let that go. Do your best with the first blush through it. And then revisit it if you sense you want to revisit it. So take the pressure off. How many are feeling pressured right now with Chapter 9? I'm not feeling pressured, but I understand the work is going to take. It's not like a one-month done. My ethics certification came in the mail, and oh boy, I'm an ethical dude now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it uh, definitely has a lot of challenges. I have to acknowledge that I'm going to need quite a bit of time, and I'm not putting really a time of like three years, one year. I know when I can consistently keep it real with people and just be cool with that, and they can keep it real with me, then I'll know, hey, you can send my ethics certification in the mail. Well, I give you four or five examples to kickstart your journey into really delving into your own ethics. Those are only meant to be jigglers. Those are only meant to provide you a really broad kickstart event sort of thing. I do not by any means expect you to pick any of those examples that I gave you. You can pick your own example of something that you're having an, or an ethical struggle with. By picking something that's really relevant to you, it ingrains this whole learning process much more quickly. I'm curious, as you get through exercise 28. It is a meaty one. Let's hear some questions about the exercise. What are you struggling with? What road bumps, road, speed bumps are you coming across? <laughs> one of the things that I don't really understand is the category headings, the time, the money, and the both. How to sort our things that we've come up with into those categories to put on our pie. Did that make sense? It did. Okay. It did. So step one is really just brainstorming. When have you bumped up against ethics, right? Just brainstorming. Just individual times of brainstorming. Specific individual times that you knew or know that your ethics were a little squishy. Of the five that I offered you, like being on time, sharing wrong information, not hurting somebody, paying others what they're worth, those are just Kickstarters. There's hundreds of different ways that word equal deed didn't align. So on Post-it notes, just brainstorming, do you recall when you told someone you were going to do something and it didn't quite happen that way? Or what are those things that you said you would do that didn't necessarily turn out that way. Just one item per post-it note. Just keep brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming. You might take a week to brainstorm different items. Once you think you're done with your brainstorming, one way to begin to delineate two very common sources of sabotage is time and money. Follow? Time and money. Yeah. Mm. You sabotage yourself with not giving yourself the time or saying that I don't have time to do it or I don't have money to do it, like that? Right. 
I mean, time and money are just my example of what are the themes to the sabotage. There could be other Mm -hmm. themes. Could be health. Could be relationships. Could be something else. Time and money, when it comes to breaking things down, when you start looking at all of those things that you brainstormed, all those times where your word did not match your deed, what's the theme or themes, right? Just like in Chapter 4, once again, we're looking for themes. You don't have time to do it all the time? Right. I see. What you put your blame on, why you didn't do it. Bingo. That's it. I see. Oh, I didn't have time to do that. and. I think that goes back to not starting with reality, your reality as well, my reality. Okay, unfold that. Well, we're not being real with ourselves to start with, and we're not seeing where we are in our reality, in our real world, and then we try to move forward into an imaginary world. Well, that's really going to murk up some of this stuff. One of the best tools for this exercise is either your calendar or your to-do lists. <laughs> I really want to know. Sometimes when I believed I was sabotaging myself because maybe a circumstance happened and I didn't have time maybe to go to an event or I didn't have money to do something, and this is the interesting part for me. The universe always kicked up something better. I'll give him the example that just happened recently. I was like, oh, man, I love that job. I'll never find anything better. I sabotaged myself. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Did I do something or did I not keep my word? And then all of a sudden something better happens. I'm not saying I'm practicing being unethical, but sometimes when I think I'm sabotaging myself, something better comes along. I know that sounds incredibly crazy, but maybe that's Dreamer, my outlook on life. We're comparing apples and oranges here. If you tell me you're going to have Chapter 9 done by January 17th of 2023, <clears throat> and now it's January 17th of 2023, and you still haven't completed Chapter 9, under the notion that, well, maybe another four more years, something better will come along, there's a theme of procrastination. Yeah? I see. Yeah. Okay, I see. It's the themes that I'm looking for. Classic example, I'm struggling with one of the books that I'm writing right now. I'm really struggling with it. I just can't get in the zone with that book and the deadline's coming and the deadline's coming. And there's this block to what I sense I should be doing with that particular book. I found myself doing my favorite procrastination exercises like cleaning and organizing <laughs> and working on my website and updating this and update I mean I'm getting things done not getting the book done but <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden a random event happened that smacked the writer's block right out of me that random event had to come along and go, this is why you were not in the zone. Got back in the zone, off we went. So it's a similar analogy, Kareem, 
But I have to be mindful of, is my procrastination a fear of success? Mm. Or is my procrastination really because there's an inspiration that's ripening and it hasn't quite ripened yet? That was usually my excuse. <laughs> like, I was inspired to go to the gym, but I'll get there tomorrow. I'll, I'll get fit tomorrow. Lunch, I, was, I got started <laughs> with this exercise, and the ethic that really hit, like, this is the one. It was this. I will be present most of the time. And the first thing that came up was, well, it's a tall order. Oh, mm-hmm. is it? Is it? Well, how do I support it? Well, I take 30 seconds, just 30 seconds frequently throughout my day just to notice what is in the present moment. And then another way I really support that ethic is by noticing when my chaos committee is attempting to intervene and explore the heck out of it. (laughs) Just explore all those judgments and claims of how good or bad it's supposed to be. And another way I support being present is by finding reasons to feel grateful for what is. What things are like not being present, and I, what came to me was allowing the chaos committee to take over without intervention and thinking of and dwelling on things that I'm angry or sad or not grateful for, <laughs> thinking about how it could be, should be, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but wasn't and didn't and won't and blah, all that. And what threw me for a loop was being present having that as, that's my deal, is I, I, I will be present most of the time. And I thought to myself, how do I tie time and money into that? That baffled me. But now I had this aha moment just by listening to the rest of you guys where I was like, oh, wait. The more that I'm not present, the more time seems to run away from me. I seem to not have enough time to get anything done. One of my and it costs you financially is, more too, doesn't it? Yeah, well, one of my, one of my, uh, it sure does. But this other piece to the puzzle that came to me was this: I don't have time to be present because I'm too busy having this full-time job now. Excuse me. Good one. Uh huh. Because I have to make this money and, and do this. Well, I just don't have time for all that introspection anymore. <laughs> So time and the money, they totally play. They're just, it just plays, and it's interesting to, to observe it. <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting. It all boils down to consciousness. It all boils down to being more awake and more aware of what can happen, right? Right, yeah. Ethics. And integrity is key to what will happen. Uh. I should never, ever have to buy a bottle of water because I should be more mindful. On extreme circumstances, in an emergency, yes, I could probably see buying a bottle of water. But what I'm trying to point out here is more often than not, items of convenience Stuff I buy because I was too lazy to think it through, because I was too, quote, busy, unquote. I got to be 325 pounds because I'm too busy to cook. Therefore, I stuffed in my face whatever I could stuff in my face whenever I had the opportunity. And more often than not, what I was stuffing in my face was god-awful fast food. 
Yep. I wasn't thinking it through. Okay. Ethics I think I, and integrity is about thinking it through. Yeah? Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. You're saying that the reason you shouldn't have to buy bottled water is because you would be telling yourself that I should already have this because it's a staple, because I need it, and I'm not doing what I say I'm going to do, and I think I'm getting it now. I think that if we are mindful with our thoughts and how we ripple across into a collective conscience, so to speak, we are going to be mindful of what is the future going to be like if we keep on a path where we're selfish about what we want and what we need and what we think we need and that actually ripples bingo and what better way to sabotage myself than to sabotage myself in socially sanctioned ways to sabotage myself (laughs) here's a classic socially sanctioned sabotage equal sign overtime oh i've got to work overtime i've got to pay the bills i've got to support the family i've got my new car to buy or the diamond ring or the whatever i got to do something to earn the money to but but every oh you're such a hard worker soul my god all the overtime you're putting in now what a dedicated person you are meanwhile my family my friends where the hell soul right yeah oh yes yeah. So socially sanctioned sabotage. How many different ways right now do you allow yourself to be sabotaging yourself that's actually approved, supported by society? One big one popped right off of the... My favorite thing to do on Friday nights is to get delivery, get dinner delivered. <laughs> yeah. I'm more than capable of cooking just that same thing. And here's how I justify it. Well, that delivery guy's got a job because of me. (laughs) (laughs) You're supporting the economy, David. That's right. And by God, I deserve it. I work hard for that money. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) For a while, I committed socially sanctioned sabotage by absolutely dedicating myself to at least 40 to 60 hours a week of volunteer work for a cause I was very passionate about. They needed my help. They needed me. It was abundantly clear that if it weren't for me, dot, 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 what suffered? My work, my health, my relationships. But boy, you're such a great volunteer. Have any of you participated in volunteer work at the expense of your own well-being? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I have. I have had people in class where they're faced with being homelessness, but they go down and they volunteer because they can't find a job. They go down and volunteer at the local soup kitchen because they feel by volunteering their time at the local soup kitchen, at least they're doing something productive. But that productivity is not earning them the money that they need to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. I agree Hello? Yep. <laughs> How many people do you know that when it comes time for the holidays, spend so much money that they will have to work at least 
three or four months to pay off the credit card bills. And have all three, four months be overtime mm-hmm. and have it be a mandatory thing. And then we don't see you. Yeah, goodbye. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see you for three months because you don't have time. Oh, I, I did that every year for I did that every year for ten years when my kids were growing up. Self sabotage. <laughs> I've given you tools in chapter five and in chapter six that no matter how stinky, no matter how yucky, no matter how awful something might be in life, it can actually be deposited into your wisdom bank. Do you recall what that tool is? Oh. I'm trying to remember. Is it the Explorer? That's part of it. Because I used to have the same problem. I volunteered for a group to help people with computer stuff like Soul was before in college, but I never had time for my friends or my girlfriend at that point. I never had time to really socialize for a few months. After a while, people were like, Kareem, what are you doing? And eventually I said, I can get a career. I can become good at what I do. But if it's going to be at the expense of socializing with people, it's not worth it. And I need to actually take some time to be a good student, but I need to take time to actually have a social life and still meet my obligations. Good, good example. Is it fair to say when I learn a life lesson, even if that lesson is born out of some hideous, awful, unethical result, when I learn from that and I vow not to repeat it, have I not deposited something into my wisdom bank? Yeah. I could agree with that. Even the tie-in to that, there were a few times when I drank a little too much, and there were people that I was reserving saying something I really thought about them. And, you know what they say, a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts. (laughs) After a few shots of Jack, I let them know what I really thought about them. Then I woke up the next morning, and they weren't too happy. They're like, Kareem. I was like, you know what? How about I just keep it real? without the alcohol. And maybe, how about if I stop drinking a lot and just limit it to a couple, but I couldn't have got that wisdom if I didn't go overboard a couple of times, Jim and Jack and Yingling and whatever else I drank that day. (laughs) Good example. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this chapter is about what are you learning about you? Change is constant. I'm to evolve myself into the best person I want to become. And how that's going to happen, it, I hate digging in my brain sometimes. Because <laughs> there's so much going on in here right now because of you, soul. I Damn hate you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's so interesting because I never would have been open to anyone telling me how... I could be different or better or I thought I had everything figured out. I thought, yeah, I don't need to learn anything else. Last five years have been quite riveting to say the least. I'm very glad that I finally got that ego monkey to shut the hell up, allow the explorer and the 
inner child that wants to learn to come to the surface. And I think that's what I've really, what I've been getting out of the whole course as a whole, really, is to just chill out and allow, mm-hmm. rather than trying to control so much. I'm listening to all of our classes so that when I'm teaching, I got a better idea of how to teach. And uh, it's something I want to do anyway. I want to reread the book again too. Man, it's been so interesting. I can't even wrap my head around what the hell I'm doing half the time with this, but hey. Oh, good. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's been so incredible because I'm speechless. The person that I'm becoming through this, it's like I feel good about myself. I no longer have so much regret because of past failed mistakes or my analyzer shutting the hell up. I don't regret as much anymore, and I don't... If I make a mistake with somebody, it's like, oh well, as long as I don't keep doing it, but I don't analyze the piss out of it anymore, and and I'm not overly apologetic anymore either. Uh, I say I'm sorry, and if I've offended someone, I apologize, but then I don't feel responsible for them being offended either. Stop sabotaging yourself by second-guessing yourself. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I'm learning that the potential that I sense I have is a fraction of the reality of my potential. I like that. Wow. As I tap into our collective potential, as I tap into the network that's been forming over the past 10 years, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing I'm unable to do. Now it's just a matter of when. When a coalescence of individuals come together and at the same time they're realizing their potential while I'm realizing my potential blows my mind. And that's what we're doing right now on this call. Do you get that? Yeah. Yes. When I'm sensing pressure to push something along, I balance that pressure with what am I learning from this pressure? Like squeezing that orange to make orange juice. What am I learning from it? And as I'm drinking the orange juice, I'm allowing that pressure to dissipate by putting into the divine's hands. Great. You want that done by this timeline that you're giving me? Where's the resources? The classic example of allowing and receiving. One day, I remember being at the San Diego's Wild Animal Park. It's an amazing facility. This is a park designed to let the animals roam free, and the people are more corralled than the animals. And in the gorilla community, on one of the grounds of the gorilla community was a hut for the gorillas. The gorilla that caught my eye was sitting up against the wall, just kind of looking vacantly ahead, staring ahead. I don't know that that gorilla had any idea that one of the keepers was climbing out on the roof to start tossing food out. It must have been feeding time. I have no idea what consciousness that gorilla had. But what absolutely blew me away and has been ingrained and burned into my consciousness for all time 
is I remember almost in slow motion that gorilla casually extending out his hand like he's just stretching. And in that exact moment, the keeper up on the roof, completely out of sight from that gorilla, because the gorilla could not have seen it, tossed a banana out. And the banana landed square into the gorilla's hand, as if he expected someone to place a banana in its hand. That blew my mind. That is what I call being in the zone. When I receive what I need to do what I need to do in the moment that I need to receive it to do what I need to do, I'm in the zone. No effort. David, you mentioned how you, would, you seek a life where things are effortless. Well, that yeah. banana falling into that gorilla's hand is about as effortless as I could see it. That's as lined up as it gets right there. Instant, wow. instant manifestation. <laughs> Sometimes I get nervous on, before I get on stage, like, oh, what happens? Is the lighting off? Am I going to play a wrong note? Is my strap going to fall a few times? Which it actually has, is funny enough. Is my cable going to work? A lot of things could go wrong. The interesting thing is, every time I went up there, even though I was worried about everything that could go wrong and everything that might go wrong, at the end, I would kind of get into the zone. So I wouldn't be so scared about, like, oh, what's going to happen? Or am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to drop my guitar? I just got on there, played a great set. I didn't even know half the time I played a set. After I got out of the zone, I talked to someone and I said, hey, how was our music? Did you like it? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, I loved it. And I'm like, wow. And half of the time, I don't even know where I was. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. I was like on a separate plane of existence. Chapter 9's magic, ladies and gentlemen. As you allow the magic to work its way into your daily life, as my word aligns with my deed, synchronicity aligns with serendipity. Life becomes more magical. Kareem, if every minute of every day was like those moments where you're up on stage sharing your soul through music, what would life be like for you? I think it would be pretty cool to be a rock star. I mean, it would be a lot of fun. And... To me, that's kind of why I do public speaking, because if I can't be on the stage with a guitar or a bass or an acoustic, I can get on stage and actually just speak when I also really get into the zone. And I think life would be a lot more fun doing that. I think it would be a lot more exciting than sitting behind a desk and going, all right, why isn't this computer working? Just like throw the laptop out and be like, I'm going to give motivational speeches. Yay! <laughs> All right, Miss Cheryl, what are you learning in this course? Oh, gosh, what am I not learning in this course? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. From all of the different things that we have, exercises that we've done and everything, I've got a lot more balanced 
and everything, and my worth has, to me, my worth has just gone up tremendously. I can see it in myself, I can hear it in myself, I can feel it in myself, and I can now go out and do things that I've never been able to do before. Small tasks, even, that I would have been afraid to do before, or I would put off just because I would put them off and didn't believe in myself enough, or I would think, oh, that person's going to think I'm stupid or something. But now that my worth has grown, I don't care if they think I'm stupid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let them think whatever Yay. they want, and I can voice my opinion, and I can get out there, and I can live. It's changed my life in being able to do things. So I guess I could go on and on and on, but it has really helped me a lot. If I could paraphrase what you were just sharing, would the appropriate paraphrase word be fearless, becoming more fearless? Yeah, that would be a good word because the doubt and the shame and the guilt and the worry, when you get rid of those guys, you are more fearless because... There's not, that's what's causing your fear. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now you're beginning to sense, Cheryl, how ethics and integrity are extraordinary facilitators of fearlessness. Yeah, because if you know that you can back what you've said with your deeds and everything, then there's nothing to fear. Bingo. It's not there. (laughs) Cindy, What stands out for you on your journey so far? What are you learning? Okay, well, I'm learning that I have a lot to learn about myself. When I was going through all of my stuff, we first started in Chapter 1. Even though I got rid of a lot of stuff, I still had too much stuff. I need to get rid of this physical clutter in my life, and that may also help me to get rid of clutter in general in my life and make my life better. Mm, Simplification. Getting in touch yeah. with the art of simplifying. Excellent. Yeah. I've been stimulated to realize a lot of things by the work on, and, and I've simplified my life more, and I've become more focused. I was always fearless. Did Cheryl, I Good guess. Thing. <laughs> I really feel like it, that it helped me a lot and calmed me down. I was all over the place, really scattered and not as focused as I could be. Yeah, you really did a lot of tearing down on all of your business and everything because of this class. Mm-hmm. I just don't like people running over me anymore, so I tell them what I think. And I don't know if that's good or not. Well, let's throw that out there to the team. Team, would you prefer Brigitte lie to you or be real? Give me be real. Be real. Be real. Well, I always like for people to like me, though. I don't think they're liking me too good anymore. Through them. Well, Brigetta, you're cleaning house, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it gets cleaned pretty quick. <laughs> You've got team seekers who I believe support you, who yeah. accept you for who you are. Is that an accurate reflection, team? Absolutely. Hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We love her. Well, I guess I maybe the second time around I'll do better. You think? Well, 
I'll ask some folks who are going on their ninth round and see what they have to say. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll make it that many times. <laughs> Rosetta, are you noticing that as you're being more real, are you, even though people may not like what they're hearing because they're a bit shocked because that's something new to them, you have found that your own comfort, your own needs now are becoming more of your own focus and that that's okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm paying more attention to myself than I was, yeah. That's a good first step. You want to blame me? You want to blame the book? Yeah, I'll be yeah, happy to be the person you blame. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I always have to blame somebody, you know. <laughs> But that brings up a good point about in ethics and integrity. How are you all getting in touch with that blame? Is blame a theme? Is blame a really good source of self-sabotage? Yes. One of the best. Yeah. That one hits it out of the park. I think his blame instills guilt, doubt, shame, and worry. On both ends. My phone just went off. It's almost like I won a prize. Anyway, (laughs) what do we have for him, Johnny? It instills all that nonsense. It makes you second-guess yourself. Yeah, you know what? People screw up, and I think that instead of blaming ourselves, we have to say, well, you know what? It's okay because I learned something. And the more we learn, the better we get as people. I find blame about as useful as eating a broth with a fork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just not really not going to work. <laughs> it's all through the cracks. I, myself, have discovered a lot about myself. It's been eye-opening, absolutely eye-opening, because I'm seeing how powerful I really am. Until we actually start seeing that about ourselves, I think this whole class, just me seeing how powerful I am and what I have, and I realize how brave I am, how fearless I've become, all the eye-opening aspects of each chapter it just comes to life for me. As I said in the past, everything in my being, I see everything as a whirlwind, no matter what, because... I'm changing. I'm not standing still any longer. I'm changing. So there's that breeze that's behind me and just kind of gently pushing me along. And at the same time, I'm like, wow, am I ready for this? (laughs) (laughs) Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today and remember before you go think about who else would enjoy our classes 
Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha.